You're listening to the Encounter Mercy Podcast. I'm your host, Vince Dragone, and I have with me, as always, Father Andy Boyd. How's it going, Father? Good, and you, Vince? Doing pretty good. Um, so we bought our first uh, gallon, I guess a half gallon. We didn't splurge for the gallon quite yet of apple cider, and uh, it's it's been treating me well. Did you get it from uh, the, the Erie Cider Mill there? No, we, we, we bought it from... Uh, Oh man, I can't. Wow, you put me on a spot. Can't remember the name. They're in Fairview. Oh, okay. Um, they're right on Route Five. Um, but uh, real, real good stuff. And so, actually, I, I made an old fashioned with it. So, if, if you're an old fashioned lover, make your old fashioned how you normally take it. I suggest using maple syrup as your sugar. Okay. We didn't. I didn't have any, so I didn't just use regular simple sugar. And then just a splash of uh, apple cider in there, and it just pow, just changes the flavor. I think I'm gonna have to go get some apple cider now tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, you probably do. That sounds really good. So what's new? Well, I uh, just got back from Rochester. Uh, so, you know, we had the lovely wedding of Dr. and Mrs. Daniel Boozes. So exciting that um, that's over for them. I mean, what a crazy time to get married right now, right? You know, uh, COVID and it kind of messes up everything. But as I said to the couple and to the family, it kind of was nice in many different ways. Um Cause I don't know, obviously I wasn't there at your wedding, but I've been at a few people's weddings, um, in my life. And it always seems that the family, well, not specifically the family, but the newlyweds don't really get a chance to like sit down and talk with people at their own reception or even taste the food or enjoy themselves. Uh, yeah, I remember, uh, I, I don't actually remember a whole lot because not that I was drunk, but we were just so busy. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. And that's what it seems to be. And, you know, I, I remember, um, yeah, uh, granted. Okay. So it's not the exact same, but, um, at my ordination, you know, it was outside of COVID times and I was so lucky to have friends that took care of me. They brought me water. They made sure I was well hydrated because I had to go and visit everybody after the ordination and take care of everything and, uh, give out the first blessing. So like, I get it, you know, as a couple, you have to go around and, um, this the two of you walking around saying hello to everybody and thanking them for coming and everything else that goes with it. The kind of nice thing with a COVID wedding and only being able to have a very small gathering of people after for the uh, very, very, very small dinner, which was really good, you know, really awesome experience. Um, it's kind of nice because they got to enjoy their wedding night. They didn't have to stay up super late because, you know, we were done with the reception, which was scheduled to go to 11 p.m. We were out of there by eight o'clock because we were so tired and everybody <laughs> just was ready to go to bed, you know? Well, it's a lot more intimate. Um, it was nice. Yeah. It was nice. And and I kind of enjoyed that more because I could just be with my friends, granted. So, of course, remember, it's about me. Everything's about me. And I know that. Um, so, if, for me, though, being the celebrant and being a friend and a part of the wedding party, it was just kind of nice. It was just us, right? It's just us. I'm glad. So it's kind of a nice I, I'm glad. They, I'm glad they did that for you, so that you could yes. have a nice time. Yeah, it was for me. It was for me. And if Dan and Dee ever listen to this, they're gonna they're gonna laugh. Um, but no, it was a really beautiful ceremony in an absolutely gorgeous church. Um, a very intimate gathering. Um, a very beautiful couple. So I, you know, how appropriate that we are talking about marriage, not only after. Me having celebrated uh, a mass that um, the cu a couple was married in, but also you, Vince. I'm putting you on the spot and making you say what you just told me. Oh, yeah. So um, I guess uh, Dan and his new bride now have the uh, the same anniversary as my wife and I. You're right. I didn't even connect that. I didn't connect that. Just the fact that you and your wife just yeah, had just your fifth anniversary. Five years. and This uh, past Saturday. Yeah, five years. Uh, so I don't know where the time went uh, very quickly. And we have a four-year-old daughter now. So, wow. And going on a two-year-old son. So, um, yeah, time's flying. It's exciting. It's exciting. Oh, I, I don't think we've, I don't think I've said anything to anybody, but uh, we are having a third child. <laughs> I guess I remember, I mean, I, the people, uh, people, my, most people in my life know at this point, but we never, we didn't make a big deal out of it uh, this time. So in February, we'll be expecting our third. That's exciting. That's exciting. But yeah, anyhow, so, yeah five, mean, five years of marriage. And then we, yeah, so we went out of town this past weekend. We went up to uh, Chautauqua, New York. We did Panama Rocks, which are oh, really, awesome. really cool. I, 
these big rock formations formed like glaciers and cave, there's caves and everything. So we did that, stayed at a bed and breakfast and uh, met one other couple who actually was celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary on the same day. So that's five awesome. years apart for us for in them. But, uh, but yeah, that's we had a good awesome. time. Now, did you get any pictures when you were out? Lots. Good. I look Lots. forward to seeing those pictures. You'll 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 see them on my Instagram, Facebook page over the next couple of days here. Slowly and releasing. Where can them. we where can we find all this out at? Uh, well, I haven't put any of them on my website yet, but vincentdragone.com. They'll be up there eventually. There we go. And very, I got a Facebook page, Vincent Dragone Photography, on Facebook. So shameless, shameless, uh, shameless promotion. Got to do it. Hey, yeah, hey, you never know. And and one thing. Uh, I forgot to mention last week when we were talking about it was, uh, you know, if you have anyone, uh, father who, uh, can't afford a photographer or anything like that, let me know. And, uh, oh. for like for their wedding or whatever, uh, sure. or whatever it is. And I, I'd like to get my foot in the door. So yeah, obviously well, if not- anybody's listening, hit me up first. And then, uh, if I like you, you never know, you know, if you slide me a 50 or something, I mean, yeah, uh, sure. yeah, yeah. I'll hey, let you know, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be local though. Gotta be local. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. But you know, it's, it's good that we're talking about this. Like I said, uh, kind of alluding into what our topic is for tonight and um, we, I won't let us go on too long on the banter is we're going to talk about the second half of what we started with last week. And you know, I aptly named the title or the um, episode last week of till death do us part. And we talked about death, but now, now we need to talk about kind of something that goes on before death. Something that you know I don't have experience with, but you, Vince, have experience with, and now Dan and Deandra, Deanna, not Deandra. Oh, I almost like three times I had to catch myself during the marriage ceremony. Don't say the name wrong. Don't say the name wrong. But Dan and Dee now are entering into is marriage, and that can be daunting. Oh, tell me that, about it. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean. As much as we joke, you know, and say, oh, no, no, yeah, it's not that bad. But it, I mean, my gosh. For me, someone who has promised celibacy, someone who's promised to never be married to anybody and, uh, you know, to remain chaste in a different way for the Lord, I can never imagine living with the same person for the rest of my life. Like last night, I, I had to fight with the dog to get room in the bed. But to imagine having to fight with a spouse to get room in the bed, I I don't know. Like I can I can move the dog. I don't think I could move my wife. But yeah, we, we I, I don't know. We still have that struggle. But I mean, it really comes down to as we discussed last week, it, until death do us part, and it's a it's a big commitment. It's not something to be taken lightly. And you were sharing with me when we were just chatting before this how you know Cassandra and I have made it uh, st- statistically have made it farther past. Uh, most others in, in what in the world, United States, what were those stats from? Uh, Says, uh, and see, this is bad. So I'll put the link in our website, but uh, the show notes too. foryourmarriage.org is the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. It's put together to um, help newly engaged couples as, as well as newly married and older couples who have been married a long time, but it helps them with your marriage, hence why foryourmarriage.org. And excuse me, one of the um one of the articles they have on the website is specifically talking about newly married couples. And so it doesn't really give very good information, but it says here most divorces occur during the first five years of marriage. And this comes from their source of Crider coming out in 2005, with the highest incident of divorce coming in year three. And so um, we have this information here for us. uh, And thankfully, they do give you links to all of their sources. Um, But yeah, uh, joking with you, but yeah, you've made it past both of the kind of hurdles. You've made it past three years and you've made it into your fifth year. So now we just got to get you through into the sixth year. And then you've definitely passed that hurdle. Oh, gee, I hope we make it. But I know, don't and, have anything to worry about there. In, in all seriousness, um, I mean, barring abusive relationships, um, these stats are very sad. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of it uh, comes down, I mean, it really speaks to the, the culture that we are creating. And that's that we, everything is, uh, we're in a throwaway, throwaway culture. Everything is, 
you know, whenever, when it doesn't suit me anymore, I'm done. I'm going to move on to something else. And yeah. we, we treat our relationships the same way. And, yeah. uh, and, and so these people and, and any of us can be one of them. We all have these tendencies, uh, you know, as soon as we get bored of something, it's on to something else. Yeah. And it's very important that we, <clears throat> and that's okay in some instances, but, yeah. but, but when it comes to our relationships, not necessarily. Now, right. like I said, if you're, if you're in an abusive relationship, then, then there are ways out and there's, there's things that need to be taken care of. there. very, very serious. And that is not part of this conversation. No. But, um, but when it comes to your relationships, especially when you enter into marriage, you have to enter in knowing that, okay, this isn't because if I'm, if I'm bored or whatever it is, uh, then I gotta, you know, we're just going to end it and that's fine. We'll just move on to something else. Um, this is, Till death do us part. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, another thing we're talking about um, people who aren't willing to make the commitment, but then sometimes um, we run into situations where people are really ready to make the commitment, right? Like the minute that they saw each other um, cross their paths and they knew right away that that was going to be their lifelong commitment. And then it ends up getting into it and, it's not at all what they wanted because they they thought, well, marriage is going to fix this problem with my spouse. So automatically, because I, I, I'm going to go into this marriage, that it's going to get better. I'm going to guarantee it. And, and sometimes, foolhardily, people jump into these situations without realizing that, well, that, that might not change about this person. And I think we all know at least one person um, – where that's happened. And, yeah. and, and two things when it comes to relationships that are never good to make them better is to get married if things aren't going well and to have children if right. things aren't going well. Cause you, you hear right. that a lot too is, Oh, well um, our marriage isn't too is, is on the rocks. So we're going to have kids and, and that'll make it all better. And right. rarely does that ever make anything better. And if you do get a divorce, then again, that hurts the children. We talked about that last week. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the opposite side of this too, because like, okay, so going into it thinking that um, the marriage is going to fix it um, and then finding out, well, no, actually, not only does the marriage not fix it, but I can't make my spouse change. That's a major problem. But then going from the other other way, getting into it, thinking that everything is perfect and then going through the marriage and realizing that nothing is perfect and there's no hope of ever reconciling. That's also a false idea because yes, I can't change someone else. Vince, you can't, you can't change Cassandra in anything, one specific thing that you do, but not only, okay, now this is where the prayer part comes in, but not only can prayer change another person for them and with them, but also just being a good example um, can change other people. And it's not the fact, you know, you don't just rush out of a marriage. Oh, this person's a horrible be human being because, um, they only want to listen to uh, country music and I like rock music. Well, you know, that's not a good reason to get a divorce. You know, granted that's probably, there's a, probably an underlying reason there that you're, uh, angry with that person, but you got to go to the root. You got to go to the root and realizing that it's, it's not just about, little, you know, the little inconsequentials, you got to get to the deepest roots and realize that you yourself need to be the change that you want to see in the relationship. Sure. And, and, that, and that works throughout everything in our, in our Christian life. Um, yes. That works at work in politics, wherever it is. If you become a good witness, uh, then usually good things follow. Right. Right. And then sometimes a marriage might fail. Not that I want to keep harping on the, the points of a failing marriage, but sometimes the stress of a new marriage can really take its toll. And now this is what I've heard and studied uh, in seminary, not about marriages now, but about the priesthood. Because the seminary, of course, is very worried about retention rates. And we see the exact same thing with priests that priests end up either leaving the priesthood or having some major crisis of their faith within the first three years. And that by year five, if they have, if they are going to leave, it's going to be by year five. But if you make it past five years, 
you're fine. You're going to be okay. Really? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting, you see, and I think it has nothing to do with the fact that it's marriage, obviously. I think it has everything to do with we have never been trained to be able to keep a commitment. And yes, okay, there's a difference between keeping a commitment in something that is extremely unhealthy and not good for you versus just throwing in the towel and walking away. Right. So if, if it's, if it's like we've said, we'll talk about this in the future about unhealthy relationships, but if it's an unhealthy relationship, that's completely different than saying, well, I just, I'm done with this. So I'm going to throw it away and walk away. So what we need to start thinking about is the fact that in marriage, same as in priesthood is till death, at least on this earth. Right now, we know that priesthood takes a different route once we get to heaven. Priests remain a priest forever, whereas married people are not married in heaven. Um, and that's a whole other topic for another day. But the whole point is, is that this is a lifelong commitment on both sides. And so being able to keep these commitments, especially in a relationship of marriage, we kind of have to talk about ways to build up that marriage. And um, some of the ways that we need to start thinking about is, you know, uh, time is how we spend our time. So, Vince, what, how would Cassandra like it if you just spent all of your time with the guys and never spent any time with her? Uh, she would not like it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I, mean, part I, of, I mean, part of a relationship is spending time with the person. And, uh, doing things for the person and with the person. And, uh, that it's definitely something that I, I know, um, we do. <laughs> it's funny how I'm going to say this. Uh, whereas before we said this is a bad way, having kids is a bad way to fix a relationship. We didn't do that. We never really had, <laughs> we never had a bad relationship. Um, no. <clears throat> but kids teach you a lot and they yeah. teach you a lot about not being selfish anymore. You can't be selfish with a child. Right. So when we had our first child, it was a big, uh, wake up call to me, uh, because I've always been way more selfish than my wife. Uh, she is, she'll go out of her way to make sure that I'm happy. Uh, she makes sure that I'm fed when I get home from work. She makes sure that, uh, if I have, you know, any issues going on that, you know, she'll try to take care of them, whatever it is that, you know, she goes above and beyond way more than I do for her. Um, and that's something that I, I try to work on and I don't know if we'll ever get there to her level, but, but having kids, uh, has really opened up my eyes to, okay, it's not about me and the fun things that I want to do. It's about what is right for my family. And that needs to come first. And and kids are part of marriage as well. You know, when we, you know, part of getting married is, is having kids and parting part of having kids is having a good marriage. And, uh, and, and we all make sacrifices for each other. And I think it's very important, a very important part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And being able to have that conversation about, okay, how are we spending our time together? How are we spending our time with our um, children? Once you have children, how are we spending time with our friends and how are we spending our time separate? So something that might seem like, um, almost like counterintuitive for a marriage because you're always, you should, you should always want to be together, but you need time alone, right? You need time where you can just be yourself. And so it doesn't mean that you have to constantly uh, be with each other and you don't have to like all of the same things to constantly be with each other. But the difference is, is that you in, you have time that is together where you are both doing something that you enjoy together and also taking the time when you are separated, you know, okay, for instance, my mom is really good at uh, sewing and that's something that she likes to do. My dad is very good at woodworking and that's something he likes to do. Neither of them like the thing that the other person does, but they help each other and they also build each other up in those things that they like to do on their own. At least that's how we should be working, right? Sometimes we don't. So it's it's being able to have that give and take with having time together and alone. And I think that's something where young couples, young married couples have an issue with, they have a problem with, because they haven't quite learned that 
Uh, yeah, we all need alone time and we all need to recharge and there's nothing wrong with needing that alone time. That doesn't mean that your marriage isn't going well. doesn't mean that there's something wrong with the other person uh, and that you just need to get away from them. It's we all, we all need that alone time. We also need time with other people who are not our husbands and wives. You know, for that, it's, it's my guy friends who I, who I've really neglected over the last couple of years after having kids and stuff, but I think that's normal as well. And it's just part of life. Um, you know, this is one thing that we can take from those grumpy old guys who are always trying to get away from their wives is, is you need, you do need that alone time. And they've learned that, um, and, and they're able to, they're able to just walk away and, and do the thing that they want to do. And at the end of the day, knowing that we're going to, I'm going to go home with my wife and we're going to have this great time. We've been married for 50 years, whatever it is. Right. Um, and, and, and I find that we, we struggled with that for sure is, I mean, we, I mean, we still do. We, like I said, we have young kids now. It's hard to get out and it's hard to do things. Um, but before that it was, you know, we're always, we have to do things together and that can cause a lot of stress. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it can. And so being able to find your groove where you can be together and when you're together having good time, but also recognizing that, you know, as much as I keep trying to pull Cassandra into the podcast, she doesn't want to, but this is another outlet for, in, for instance, in your marriage where you can be with someone else, right? We're having this weird, strange over the internet relationship where we're trying to help build each other up you building me up, me building you up. And then the two of us trying to build up this community of followers that have come to, for some reason to listen to us ramble. Um, and so it's a relationship there too. And so the marriage, your marriage is hopefully just not just for you, but other people too. You might find that the marriages are being built up in that sense. So taking that time, taking that time to be together. Another area that, um, this article that I'm referencing from foryourmarriage.org. The second thing here, I, of course, people might get a little squeamish or you know, not be comfortable with this topic. So if there's any children, listen, uh, if you don't want them to hear these words, then I would tell you to turn it off now. The other area that they're discussing is your sex life. Now, as it says here in the article, I'm going to read it word for word because they have a, they make a damn good point. Sex should be the easy and fun part. After all, you're married. Why would this cause stress? Despite the conventional wisdom that your sexual relationship should be comfortable and exciting, especially during the early years of marriage, many couples uh, reported problems around the frequency and quality of sexual relations. Developing a gratifying sexual relationship depends on having the time and energy to tend to it. Okay, so... You know, guys, we go into things really fast, really quick and getting done with it as fast as possible. That doesn't work in a sexual encounter with a woman, right? So we have to be, you know, all right. So just so that people understand, because of course, you're not getting any video with this still. Uh, Vince is, is awkwardly looking at his cell phone laughing as, as, I, as I talk about this. Someone who is still a 28-year-old a virgin and never will have sexual encounters with a female or anybody for that matter um, trying to talk about sex. But the whole idea is that, you know, it's a part of who we are. Our sexuality, our, uh, our human um, anatomy, uh, our, our desires, just because you get married or just because you get ordained doesn't mean all this goes away as much as it would be nice for all of us. You know, it doesn't. And so having that relationship where you can discuss those things and understand um, and have that intimacy with one another is extremely important. And if you just go gung-ho into it without actually talking about it and thinking about it, it's going to fail. And, and I've, I've dealt with a few couples that are younger, our age that, that I've been trying to help and, and discuss with that. It's not going to be perfect right away. And so getting used to that and understanding that it's just like everything else you have, yeah. to, you have to communicate. Um, and you have to make sure that you are having the other person in mind, no matter, it, it doesn't matter what the topic is, whether it's sexual relations, whether it's, types of meals we're going to have on the dinner table, whether it's how many kids we're going to have. It, it, it's literally every decision you make as a couple. Um, you need to talk about it. You need to communicate and uh, you shouldn't shy away from it because it's a sensitive topic. Um, especially if you're married. <laughs> yeah. It's the only time you should be doing that. But, <laughs> but anyhow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And even if you're engaged, you should be having these conversations too, because your intent is to become married to that person. So like if you're engaged and listening to this, then you need to be having these conversations to understand where each of you are um, when it comes to that point. Um, You know, so the third and final point in this article, and now that doesn't mean to our listeners that you get gypped of a very short episode this week, um, because there's a few other topics that I think Vince and I want to chat about with marriage. But in this specific area, this third area that this article brings up is, and this one can also be difficult. And and I do have a story to tell you about bringing this topic up. Um, The third one is money and finances. Now, to illustrate how uncomfortable it can be to talk about finances, specifically money in general, is um, I was asked over the weekend, what do you think about married priests? I said, sure, fine, yeah, it's great. But I got to pose a question to you. And this uh, person, uh, mind you, everybody at the wedding, for the most part, is either a doctor or um, is finishing to get their doctorate in some sort of physical therapy uh, or just medicine in general. There's... There, a lot of people were doctors. Most of the people in this work in the healthcare industry at this wedding. And so someone asked me, what do you think about married priests? I said, sure, but I got to ask you a question. How much money do you make? And every person at that table became so uncomfortable. You could cut the tension with a knife. And I said, I'm being serious. How much money do you make? Now, you don't have to tell me because I can tell you don't want to tell me, but I'm going to tell you right now. How much money do you make? Because that's going to make a big deal about you understanding if married clergy is going to be possible. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, ask me how much money I make. And he asked me, and I said, very honestly, after taxes, probably if I'm lucky, about $24,000 a year. Now, Vince, you, a father of two with one on the way and a stay-at-home wife, which is wonderful, right? Could you be doing it with $22,000 to $24,000 a year? Not with the lifestyle that we live. Yeah, you'd be, you'd, everybody would be a lot more poor, right? And it wouldn't be, uh, then this person came back and said, well, then your wife would just have to get a job. I said, well, that's not, that's not the parish's responsibility. That's not the parish's right to tell my wife she has to have a job, right? That's something that she and I get to decide, just like you and Cassandra got to decide. So that, the whole point of me telling that story, not to make a case for or against uh, married priests, because that's a whole nother topic. It's the tension that we get whenever anybody ever brings up money. How much money do you make? You never ask that question, right? You're, you're taught you're taught never to ask. Well, how much money do you make? It's a, it's, a, it's something you don't ask. It's a personal question, yeah. Personal exactly. And yet. Why is it in marriages? Now, I don't think it is in yours, but in some marriages, especially ones that lead to divorce, that is a major topic that nobody wants to talk about. You don't know how many people I know who are married that have separate bank accounts and they have no idea what the other one makes. And they, if they get a bonus or or a raise, they don't tell the other person so that they have their own spending money and don't have to worry about, they split their bills it's like, what are you guys, roommates or are you married? What, what exactly. is this? You know, it's supposed to be a man and woman becoming one and uh, working as one. And that's not what most of our society does. And so who has the power in the relationship? And some, sometimes, most of the time, everybody says, oh, well, we're equal, so we'll share it. But then uh, the spouse finds themselves uncomfortable or angry with how loose the other spends their their quote in quotes hard earned money and the other spouse is annoyed by the way that the they hoard it so like okay we got a problem here we got a problem here we got to have communication and that means about every uncomfortable topic every uncomfortable topic it doesn't matter because guess what you're in a marriage together and if tv has taught me anything they can't pull a mar- if you're go if Vince if you were to go to court they cannot pull your wife in to testify against you Legally. Interesting. So you got to talk about everything. Well, do you, you got to talk in the first, yeah. the first three, mar- three marriages. Oh my gosh. In my first three <laughs> marriages, <laughs> the first three years of our marriage, guess what was, uh, what we fought over the most money. Yeah. Because I was a big spender and am my Amazon prime membership, uh, 
you know, two day shipping on, on what I can get that in two days. Heck yeah. yeah. Let's just add it to yeah. the cart. And before you know, I'm spending hundreds of dollars a month on stupid stuff. Yeah. And, and that caused, that caused a lot of problems. And, uh, it wasn't until we actually started really talking about it that, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not just annoying my wife with these purchases because she's the one that budgets and everything. And that's sure. I, she's the only one that's capable of doing it because I'm a big spender. Um, but you know, she was at least like, if you're going to, if you need something, at least let me know so that I yeah. can properly budget it. I'm not telling you you can't have this, but what I am telling you is like, we have bills to pay over here yeah. and there's only so much money to go around. And so if you're spending it over here, I can't pay the electric bill or whatever it is. Um, yeah. and, and so we started communicating with that a lot better. And at, at the same time, after communicating, I started to realize, okay, most of these purchases aren't necessary. Um, right. and so I, sp- <laughs> I stopped spending as much money, um, at least, at least in the frequency that way I was doing. But, uh, but yeah, that was, in the first couple of years of our marriage, that was the the biggest issue because before we got married, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, right out of college, I got a full-time yeah. job. I'm like, this is the most money I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm going to go yeah. buy a truck. I'm going to go buy whatever it is that I want and I can live however I want as luxuriously as I want on my, uh, my meager salaries, just starting out out of college, but it's, it's amazing. And yeah. as soon as you get married, it's a shock. It's like, wait, okay, this isn't just my money anymore. This is our money. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's very common. So you got to talk about these things. And then, like you said, this brings stress. All of this brings stress. And then you have to deal with that stress and you have to resolve differences and you may have to fight. And in fact, I'm telling you as your, as a priest and your priest who's listening, you have to fight. And now that doesn't mean like, okay, so one of the things that my brother and I like to do is we watch people play video games and there's this one streamer online <clears throat> who's been playing a lot of UFC. Um, uh, and my brother was starting to play it too. Long story short is, is this UF, fake UFC fighter that we were watching play. I don't really watch it much. It just happens to be that every so often if I'm bored. Anyway, um, this fake UFC fighter ends up killing all of her opponents. Like putting them down dead anyway um you gotta constructively gl- fight. I, I don't even know what to say the reason why I'm <laughs> the saying work. is because you gotta constructively fight your um your 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 issues you gotta constructively fight and resolve differences but taking it to a ufc ring probably isn't the way to do it no and when- that's and uh, hey i've had my fair share um not physically but um if you've get to, gotten to that point, then you've made a mistake along the way of ignoring the problem. Absolutely. That's the first thing. But sometimes you also have to pay attention to, it might not be something that you yourself have to do. Um, you know, cause this, there's another article that I'm referencing here too. 25 ways to fight, uh, to fight fair. And one of the things they say is to know your own feelings. So like seeking to grow in self-awareness, knowing who you are and what, ticks you off and pushes your buttons and recognizing that because sometimes the fight is the other person telling you knock it off grow up dude i'm learning this on a whole new level right now with my daughter who's starting to become sassy and i could tell her hey stop fighting with your brother and she looks at me and she does it again and yep. like I just go ballistic, and, it's yep. like, and then afterwards I'm like, okay, this was over something really stupid. Why did I yell and scream and make everybody cry in the house? Yeah, and uh, yeah. it's like I'm I'm now have I'm having to now relearn my feelings and what sets me off, um, so that I can have better control of that. It's 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 constantly changing, especially when you have kids that are uh, starting to really know how to push buttons and. Yeah. Uh, it's like first I thought I had everything under control. I hadn't had to raise my voice in the first four years of this kid's life. And all of a sudden I've raised my voice more now than I ever have. Um, and I, it's just, it's a learning process until I finally realize, okay, now I need to get control of my emotions and I need to find a better way because obviously screaming at your kids is not, is not the way to handle most right. situations. And then the, the next phase of this 25 ways to ways to fight fair you hit the nail on the head without even realizing it is that anger is an emotion and 
anger is neither right nor wrong in and of itself because morale, uh, there is no morality to your feelings. Uh, the way you feel is the way you feel, but you can't let your feelings control you, right? So I might be angry, which most of my day I wake up and I'm just angry and that's who I am. I'm an angry person and you get in my way and I might run you over with my car. Um, but I, I don't intend to do that because that's just wrong. But um, recognizing that the morality comes into play when you start acting out on your feelings, right? So if you had someone that was constantly just over the top happy and joyous all the time and, and acting out in bad ways, you're going to call them out on it. But you can be over the top joyous all the time and acting out in good ways with it. Same thing with anger. You can be angry all the time. Um, you know, like Bruce Banner, uh, the key is, is I'm always angry. So not true for me. I, I, I joke. I kid. I kid. But the point is that you can be angry, but you don't have to act out, as you said, with yelling or screaming and making everybody cry. You can act. You can use your anger in a way to show your disappointment. And you can use that in a way that is... Um, uh, constructive towards the relationship. And I so, find that's far better, especially when dealing with children. Absolutely. Really, when dealing with anybody, when, when you use it, it works with anybody, but especially children. Yeah. Um, when in a, in a nice calm voice, it's hey, uh, go and time out. Um, you didn't listen to daddy and now you're in trouble. And then you can have that conversation afterwards. Yep. And it's not like yeah. there's hard feelings there of, well, you, you know, you yelled at me. So. Right. Yeah. And see, that's, that's so key because a lot of the times, not a lot of the times, whenever we get angry and we start to fight with our spouse, it's the little children inside of us that's fighting the little child inside of our loved one, right? So just imagine, and now whenever you imagine uh, yelling at your uh, wife, Vince, whenever you want to yell or get upset with I don't Cassandra. Which, I, I do not yell at my wife. Well, I, I will knew yell you at did my children, it, but, but I will not yell at my wife. <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> but, but I can imagine a little child. I'm going to start laughing the next time we have a fight because I'm going to imagine a, <laughs> it's, it's five year old Vince. Just imagine you, your daughter, but it's you, five year old Vince, yelling at five year old Cassandra. No, I want that toy. No, it's my toy. That's a good so, way to put it. You know, trying to understand your emotions and being that you are the master of your emotions, not the, your emotions master you. And then understanding that negotiation and compromise are essential in your marriage. And so you're going to have to come together. You're going to have to fight. And sometimes fighting isn't fun, but you should never feel that um, a partner wins in a fight. Um, you have to understand that there is no winning in a fight. It, it's only loss because it ends up hurting both. And so being able to come together and negotiate and compromise, that's important. But also, like we said before, taking time for yourself and cooling off, establishing ground rules that uh, permit either partner to cool off before trying to resolve the anger. You know, sometimes you're just going to be angry and you just got to walk away from it for a bit and trying to take that time. I'm going to throw sure, in some a little bit of yeah. advice here. And this is a... Take it for, you know, we take it for whatever you, you like. We've only been married for five years. Um, but when we first went into it, we were both on the agreement of we will never go to bed angry at each other. That's good. No, that was terrible. <laughs> I think, um, I think the, that is terrible, terrible uh, strategy to go by. The reason why I said that's good is because I'm glad that you are recognizing that that like is the worst possible thing because <laughs> yeah. no, that's true. Because sometimes you're now gonna go I'm going to rush. I'm going to appease you because I just want to go to sleep. I'm tired. And right. yep, yep, sure, whatever. And then we fight about it again. So exactly. You have to take those stupid rules out of there. And, yes. and that's definitely one of them of, hey, it's okay. We're not, we haven't come to, we haven't resolved this issue yet. Sometimes sleeping on it is the best thing you could possibly do. Yes. Why yes. try to think rush about, and resolve it before times. you go to bed? If, if you want to think about it in scriptural way, think about all the times the prophets had to go and sleep something off. Yeah. You know, um, um, Isaiah was so angry. He cursed the Lord. And so the Lord said, here, eat and take a nap. And so we did, and everything was better after the nap. And that's what we do with our children too. It's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so when when I said good, I'm glad you recognize that is because 
the difference is, is that you can go to bed, but you both know each, that the other person loves you still. You still love them and they still love you. Yes. And I think that's the, the intention that we went in originally with, well, we can't go to bed angry at each other. Right. Because it's very superficial. It's like, well, maybe they won't love me anymore when we wake up. Well, no, exactly. th- this isn't high school anymore. <laughs> exactly. This is the big leagues. It's going to be fine. And a lot of times in these situations, people are afraid, right? Afraid to fight. And so the understanding is, is if someone is afraid to fight, then you need to wait, right? You need to talk about that fear first. You need to talk about that fear. And the other thing is, is, and this is what really drives me crazy because I've witnessed this so many times is if one part, one party in the relationship comes and says something that they're serious about, they're dead serious about, I am afraid of you because of X, Y, and Z, or I am upset with you because of X, Y, and Z. And then the other party goes and puts them down and says, no, you're full of shit. Yo, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. Drives me crazy. Drives me crazy because the number one problem is that we're not communicating. And so the person usually that says, um, no, you're wrong. No. Well, first off, they're doing three things in my mind wrong. First, they're uh, saying to that person, what you're feeling and what you're experiencing isn't the truth. And so you're the problem. That's most, by the way, most of the times that this we're dealing with this situation, you're dealing with someone who has a control issue. Um, the other thing that they're really doing when they say, um, no, 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 is they're trying to evade themselves from having to face any of their own personal issues and their own fears. And the third thing is, is they're t- trying to take control of the situation so that they can come out on a better, right. a better the, level. This isn't the Cold War. It's not a zero sum game. Exactly. Um, and, and whether or not you think you're right, you, you mentioned it before, compromise. Compromise is, is something that we all have to deal with, um, at least in, in our marriage, in our, in, in our relationships in general, is compromise. You have to realize that uh, we don't all share the same opinions. I mean, heck, just look at the world going on right now. It's crazy. Um, and, and those who are unwilling to compromise, are, they're going to struggle. And, yeah. you know, there are things that... I do that. My wife is not a huge fan of, and there are some things that my wife does. I'm not a huge fan of, um, but it's not hurting our relationship at all. Um, you know, these, you know, because it's, you know, smaller things or, if, or if it's, uh, you know, for example, our, we compromise all the time on like, what are we going to have for dinner tonight or this week? Whatever it is, anything right. from dinner to, uh, you know, how many kids you're going to want to have. If it was up to me, right. I'd have 10 kids. Well, I don't have to carry those kids. I don't have to, um, to birth those children. My wife does. And I have to be sensitive to the fact that, um, we're going to go on number three here and I'm pretty sure she's going to be done after this because yeah. she's not going to want to, to birth another child. Um, right. so, so we have to comp, we have to come to a compromise there. Um, right. And yeah, and to say that, well, nope, it's only going to be my way or the highway. Well, then, then no, that's, that's, that's not how a marriage is supposed to work. Exactly. Exactly. And so when you're in a fight with someone and understanding that and, and having that ability to compromise and speak to each other back and forth is that make sure that you're willing to learn something from your fights. Don't let it be a useless fight. Don't let it go to waste. Learn something from it. It could be something as small as, boy, I'm holding on to something really closely that maybe I, I need to let go of. Maybe this is something that is hurting me more for some reason. I need to be willing to take this next step and and, and change from it. And that's the key is that in a, in a fight in a relationship, which goes on forever, um, you are going to have uh, the situation where you're going to run into where um, – you can gain a new understanding and learn from it. And it can be something about yourself that you're going to change. Because of course, like I said before, you can never change someone else. So then you got to implement those changes. And um, when you are fighting, make sure that it sticks just between you two. Now, obviously there's exceptions when you need to go to uh, see a counselor. That's something different. Or if you have um, a friend that you get advice from. Um, right. But, and, and you know, but to, to go online, because here's one thing I've seen is people air their dirty laundry online. It's like, exactly. well, my wife's just a dumb whatever. And I, it's like, well, okay, well, uh, maybe we, should, we shouldn't be sharing this publicly. <laughs> 
also learning how to handle your anger and conflict in front of your children, right? So you are raising children that will one day hopefully be um, married, but also they're going to end up no matter what, hopefully um, functioning adults in society and having an understanding of how to have a relationship where there are fights and where there are uh, disagreements and how to come to a reasonable understanding and still do it civilly, teaching your children how to do that. So obviously you're not, uh, you know, I don't remember what TV shows may have done this, you know, not that they would ever show this on TV, but the drunk old man throwing the beer bottles at the wife when they're fighting and they're cussing at each other. Like that's probably not a healthy thing to be doing in front of children. But what is healthy is taking the time to discuss with your children, you know, mommy and daddy disagree on this. And so this is how we're going to address it. Now, obviously some things you're gonna have to wait till the kids are older, till they're maybe teenagers, late teenagers even, but you can still discuss these things with your children to show them how a um, functioning relationship should look. And then the other thing with that is, and I kind of alluded to it, is like, don't try to attempt any conflict, uh, to resolve any contact uh, conflict with drinking heavily. That's, it's not going to, it's not going to fix it. In fact, it, it's going to make it worse. I mean, we shouldn't drown our sorrows whenever we disagree. Well, you know, but <laughs> you got to be careful and you have to be able to respect um, the other person and respect what, who they are and what they're experiencing and what they're feeling and being able to respect them when dealing with emotions that the way that we output our emotions can sometimes be uncomfortable for others and specifically in tears and crying and being able to be comfortable with the other person if they're crying and they might not be crying about the, the situation that you're in. It might be something, you know, maybe something really bad happened to the other person that day and just allowing that person to cry. And then another great way to deal with these situations is develop a sense of humor, right? You know, God laughs at us all the time. Whenever we try to do something where we think we are in charge, he's just up there laughing at us. And so developing a sense of humor, not a sense, a sick sense of humor or a childish sense of humor, but a sense of humor that truly you can look at things and realize that, you know what? I'm not in charge. He's in charge and I have to let him be in control and being able to humble yourself and understanding that. And finally, respecting prayer and understanding prayer as a strength because prayer is really truly, and you can say this better than I can, but prayer is the only way that any of us are going to get through any of our relationships. Oh, most certainly. And I, the, uh, I don't know if I've ever shared this before, but I had, uh, I guess, a, an epiphany moment in my prayer life one time uh, after my wife and I had just got done. I, I can't even remember the details of it, it but those don't matter. We had a really big fight and, uh, and I was, and it was something very selfish that I was doing and I can't, but that's all I remember. I don't remember exactly what it was. It was probably something sure. financial, who, who knows, but uh, right before bed, you know, I'm, I'm praying before bed and then all of a sudden um, I just get this message, like if God speaking to me that uh, basically saying that um, uh, you and your wife are one. And so you fighting right now over this stupid thing is actually hurting both of you. Um, and it's not just hurting her. And I know you're trying to win, but if you win, then you both lose. Um, because you know, you, when you hurt her, you hurt yourself as well. And, and that was just very powerful to me. And it was like in a, in an instant, I was like, I'm not mad anymore. I uh, realize I'm wrong. And, uh, and we went ahead and made up after that the, in the next day. But, um, uh, but all these things that you mentioned tonight, they sound so simple. Like this is a, just, this should be a simple list that we can go through and easily just check things off. Like, yep, yep, yep. We can do all that. That's easy until it comes to practice. Yeah. And when it comes to when, and that's when you realize that, uh, you know, when you just like going to college, going to school, whatever it is that you're doing, you learn something and, uh, and then you get out into the real world and you go to practice it. Uh, and, and it doesn't turn out the way that you expected. 
and it marriage is the same way. Raising children is the same way. Um, but you have to realize, okay, we're in it for the long haul and we're just gonna have to make this work and we're going to find a way and nothing's ever perfect. And, and it's, it's not easy, but it's very rewarding because at the end of the day, you have someone who you can go to, um, to discuss your problems. You have someone to share joy with, to share sadness with, and, yeah. and to share children with whatever it is, uh, that you do in your marriage. Yeah. The final area that I, I think really talking about marriage till death do us part. So we've talked a lot about um, what happens when you first get married and some of the areas that we see that become stressors and then trying to resolve your differences and how to fight and how to have discourse, I think is the best way to put it because it's not always going to be fighting, but having that um, conversation and communication with one another. Now, the last thing that I really think that we need to stress on um is the fact that we all have a prayer life that needs to be uh, addressed. And we all have a not only a prayer life that needs to be in communion with one another, but we have a prayer life that needs to be internal. And so we have to take time for private prayer, but it can't stay just private prayer, especially not in a marriage. And so um, when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to marriage and prayer, uh, Vince, what I, I'm not to put you again on the spot, but this is this is your job. I'm putting you on the spot again. Where is your prayer life with Cassandra, and what are some ways that maybe you have experienced in ways that you can pray with your spouse? Because there's there is a really good way that I've learned um, in seminary training, and then uh, also they just reiterated on this website. But um, I'm just curious what you and Cassandra do. It's nothing special. We have a, we do a terrible job at it. And this is something that we struggle with and we're learning uh, still after all these years, uh, after all these years, five years, <laughs> just all these years. We've known each other for eight uh, or no, 10. We've known each other for 10 now, but. Uh, wow. Uh, but. Wow. For five. But anyway, anyhow, um, it, it's not, it's not very exciting. And uh, I, not even really worth sharing. I'd rather just jump to uh, what did you, what is it that you learned that that could maybe even help us? Because we're always yeah. looking for ways. Yeah. So it it's really it's four simple steps, and it revolves around the mass. So being that we are Catholic, and our whole purpose is to educate other Catholic people. But for those who are not familiar with the mass, there's really four major parts of the mass. Um, we have an introductory rite, we have the liturgy, the word, the liturgy, the Eucharist, and then the concluding rites. Now, in the introductory rites, we come together as one. We start, of course, with the sign of the cross. So I would encourage our couples to start with the sign of the cross. And in the mass, we ask God for forgiveness, which prepares our hearts for deeper union with him as we go through the rest of the mass. In the Liturgy of the Word, we actively listen to readings from Scripture so that we can have a conversation between us and God. And then um, we hear him speak to us in a different way with the Liturgy of the Eucharist, where Christ and the church exchange their love with each other in a very intimate way, where Christ becomes the food that we eat. He's made Christ is made present to us, and he gives himself to us in the Eucharist. And we receive him and give ourselves back to him in a intimate union. And then finally, in the concluding rites, we go in peace, glorifying the Lord with our lives. So we recognize that we don't stay in this place. Like we always say, you know, sometimes we talk about in prayer, we don't stay on the mount, um, mountaintop experience. You know, during the transfiguration, Peter wanted to stay there. And he said, how good it is for us, Lord, to be here. Let me make tents for us so that we might stay here forever. And God said, no, 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 you're going to have to go down from this experience. And so sometimes the prayer isn't going to always be this wonderful experience where you're going to want to stay there forever. But the prayer, my prayer, for your prayer, is that the prayer, which I hope that prayer word now has completely lost any sense of its meaning, prayer, um, that your my prayer for you is that you might experience at least once or twice or a few times that this is a truly enriching and um, elevating experience. Now, um, you don't always have to come together together uh, and automatically reconcile and uh, with one another because you might not need to reconcile with one another. You know, there might be some times that, um, for instance, if you go to mass, the the 
introductory rites, when we do the penitential act, uh, either the confidior, which is I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, or if the priest just says, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. So it doesn't always have to be that we're coming to um, this deep experience of, honey, I'm so sorry for the way I treated you six months ago. I'm really sorry for that. And she's like, well, uh, honey, you've, you've been saying that now for the last six months every week. Um, I really got it. I got it now. You don't, you don't need to keep saying it. So taking this opportunity to come together, it, it's not always about reconciling, but it's coming together and thanking one another and being able to rejoice with one another, having a time to then, like in the liturgy of the word, coming together and discussing with one another, um, being able to actually listen not only to one another and being able to respond to one another, but coming together with scripture readings and listening to God's words for you as a couple and being able to discuss it with one another. And then being able to um, take that experience of God in the scripture and God in one another and being able to share that in prayer, either in responding to God, responding to one another, or some way of having a thankful heart and then recognizing that as you draw your prayer time to a close, you are going out and taking that with you. So that intimacy that you experience with one another within the um, time of prayer, it's not just going to re remain there, right? It's something that should be benefiting you and changing you. And you can't just do this um, once a month and say, all right, that's enough. Or you can't do this right as you're falling asleep. This is a bad idea. You got to do it in a time when you're both able to be conscious and awake and be able to communicate with one another because it's going to be prayer, of course, is a way that you communicate with one another. So you have to have that time set aside where you can work with one another, pray with one another, be with one another, and uh, truly experience God in these different ways in our lives. Sounds good. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Um, anything else you want to add on top of that? Pray. Pray. Just keep praying, everybody. Yeah, I think we all, um, I don't think we do that enough. No. That, that really should be, that's something I know, like I mentioned before, is something that we need to work on, my wife and I. And we'll take some of these tips. I think that'd be uh, really useful. And I just want to, you know, not to kind of wrap up our topic today. We're done with that. So push that aside. Don't push the play button yet. But um, just excited for next week for uh, a little surprise and some good things coming our way for you and me, especially. But maybe for our listeners as well, I think they'll enjoy it more than just listening to you and I ramble uh, every week. Yeah, there's a there's a, a surprise as long as everything goes according to plan. Um, there's a different type of episode next week and uh, you have to let us know what you think. And, uh, uh, and another news. Oh, go ahead. I hope to make it more like a regular thing, too, because I know they're excited about it, too. But anyway. Yeah. Well, hey, we'll have to see. Um, uh, in other news, I, uh, we, we've had a couple of requests now to to cover um, the election and uh, and what we think. Um, and we're going to we're going to get there kind of um, we try to keep politics as much as possible out of this. Uh, but when it comes to uh, pro-life issues, we will certainly bring that up uh, when necessary. So we are working on something. We're just not quite there yet. Uh, so I ask you to be patient with us and um, uh, we will do something thoughtfully. But in the meantime, uh, if if you don't already sub subscribe to the Council of Trent, um, with the Council of Trent podcast, which is uh, yeah, Trent just, Horn. Just uh, just, uh, just a thing that the Council of Trent ended years ago, so you don't have to subscribe yes. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Council <laughs> of Trent podcast, I should be clear. Uh, he, he, uh, Trent Horn just had a, a very good uh, episode on that this week uh, on pro-life issues and voting and what the, uh, what the church says about it. So uh, go ahead. If you want something way better than we could ever, ever even bring up because we are not is savvy when it comes to uh, dealing with politics and, and things like that. Uh, go check that out. Uh, that would really be a much better resource than anything you can get from us. So I suggest going over to there. Um, and if you have any other questions, uh, feel free to, to reach out. We would be happy to, to try to answer 
uh, especially Father Andy would be happy to to answer many of those when it comes to how the church. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. thanks. Throw the priest under the bus here. That way, I get more letters written to the bishop. Uh huh. Yes, that, that's exactly what we're trying to do here. So, uh, but anyhow, that's that's just something that uh, we'll have something. I, I don't know how, uh, how how detailed we're going to go really because yeah. neither of us are are politically motivated whatsoever. Um, right. So. Uh, yeah, but anyway, um, that's all I have for this week. Cool. Uh, so if you haven't already subscribed to the channel, please do so, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, check us out on all of the social medias that, uh, that, uh, you, that you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Just posted for the first time on Instagram today in a while. So. I saw that and you got one or two likes. So that's good. That's good. <laughs> all right, everybody until next time. 